Hello, welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, November the 23rd. For most people, statins are well tolerated and their widespread use has the potential to have a major effect on the global burden of cardiovascular disease. The quote from the cover of this week's issue of The Lancet dated November the 24th to the 30th. In a moment, I'll be talking to the author of a review in this week's issue about the safety of statins. Before that, some other highlights this week. Encouraging news about a childhood vaccine against rotavirus. This virus causes severe diarrheal disease among infants, especially in Africa and Asia. In a randomised trial, investigators from Finland tested a rotavirus vaccine among children from France, Germany, Spain and the Czech Republic. The vaccine, given with routine childhood vaccinations, was found to be up to 87% effective. However, Australian authors of a linked comment to this article cautioned that a rotavirus vaccine needs testing and proven efficacy in Africa and Asian countries before we can claim to have found a global solution to rotavirus. We also published research showing how people with venous thromboembolism are at an increased risk of long-term cardiovascular events such as heart attack and stroke. Australia is about to go to the polls, so perhaps unsurprisingly, we've dedicated a full-page editorial to this topic. And whilst we rightly point out some statistics that show that Australia is in good health, for example, women have an average life expectancy of 84 years, the third highest in the world, and men 79 years, the second highest in the world, and Australia has halved the use of tobacco among adults in the past two decades. These statistics mask some grave inequalities, particularly in relation to the indigenous Australian population, who unbelievably have a 17-year less life expectancy than non-indigenous Australians. There is also a very poor ratio of doctors to patients, particularly in rural areas in Australia. But back to our main feature this week, statins, almost a household name in many countries these days. But how safe are they? Earlier I spoke to Dr Jane Armitage from the University of Oxford and I began by asking her to tell us a little bit about the history of statins and their mode of action, not to mention their efficacy in randomised trials. Statins are a group of drugs that lower cholesterol and it was known for many years that cholesterol lowering was likely to reduce the risk of heart attacks and strokes. Before we talk about the history, it's just worth remembering that these are extraordinarily effective drugs at reducing what we call cardiovascular disease, which is blocking of the arteries leading both to heart attacks and strokes. Reduction of about one millimole, which is easily obtained by the standard doses of these drugs, will reduce risk by around a quarter. So that's a huge benefit and is the sort of underlying reason why these drugs are being used so much now. They were introduced about 20 years ago and have been widely used since the mid-1990s, which coincided with the first of the large trials demonstrating very clearly that there was benefit, particularly on heart attacks at that time. They work in the liver to reduce the amount of cholesterol that we make in the liver, and this leads to sort of greater uptake of the cholesterol from the circulation. And they reduce the bad sort of cholesterol, often known as the LDL cholesterol, and only have a very small impact on the good sort of cholesterol, although both of these things are important. And it's worth bearing in mind that when we're talking about cholesterol lowering, we're generally talking about lowering the bad sort of cholesterol, but having little impact on the good cholesterol. Dr. Armitage, can we now focus on adverse reactions to statins and, and linked to this obviously is interaction with other drugs of statins? Generally, 
statins are extremely well tolerated, particularly at the standard doses that the vast majority of people are taking. But there are two recognized adverse effects, of which the most important one and the one that is talked about most is the effect on muscles. Very rarely these drugs, and it applies to all the statin drugs, can cause a problem with the muscles whereby you get sometimes pain, sometimes weakness, and an increase in some of the blood levels of things that we measure in relation to muscles, a substance in the blood called creatine kinase. The difficulty is that muscle pain, which is one of the symptoms of this, is very common. And actually, if you look in the trials which have had a dummy version of the pill as well as an active pill, there's no suggestion at all that statins cause a sort of increase in the background of muscle pain. Most of us have muscle pain at some time or other. It is a very common sy symptom. So although it's very widely believed that statins cause muscle pain, they certainly cause myopathy and very rarely this severe cause form called rhabdomyolysis. But in general, I don't believe they just increase the sort of background rate of muscle pain. But obviously, because this effect, although it's very rare, is serious, we have to be alert to it. And I think it's important to understand what drugs might interact and also what sorts of people are a little bit more vulnerable. And generally, that is elderly people and people who are otherwise debilitated and people who've got some problems with their kidney function. One of the important ways of avoiding these problems is actually having an awareness of the potential, you know, of who might get a problem. So that's the muscle effects. There are also effects on the liver, which are recognized as increases in some of the blood tests related to the liver. And this is seen not only with statins, but indeed with all cholesterol-lowering drugs of, di of different types. What's important about this is that there really is no good evidence at standard doses that the statins actually cause liver problems or cause ill health due to liver problems. When you're using statins at higher doses, that may not be the case. But nevertheless, at standard doses, although there may be effects on the liver enzyme, there's really very little to suggest that they cause liver damage in any way. It is important that people who've got active liver disease, it's not recommended that they're given statins. And I give some recommendations in the article to, as to how to cope with that. It is important that if people have got abnormalities of their liver enzymes, that they're not just automatically attributed to their, the statin if they're taking that. And, you know, a little bit of thought needs to be given as to whether there may be other causes for liver abnormalities. As far as other adverse effects are concerned, a lot of other things are reported. When we look at the data from the controlled trials where generally people have been given a statin or a dummy pill and neither they nor the doctors know which they're taking, there's really very little evidence that they cause other sort of commonly reported problems. In higher doses, there are slightly more people on the higher dose of a statin do report some tummy problems, diarrhea, that sort of thing. In general, the, at standard doses, the statins are extremely well tolerated. Also in your review, you make reference to perhaps groups of people of whom statins may not be the most appropriate course of action, particularly people who are dependent on alcohol or women who are seeking to become pregnant. Can you just clarify that? Well, let's just talk about women who wish to become pregnant. All of the statins are contraindicated who are either pregnant or planning to become pregnant and people who are breastfeeding. Younger women are generally not in the group of people who are likely to be considered for statins, although women with familial problems with their 
cholesterol might be in this group. Quite often what we do is to treat those people before they're planning to be pregnant, knowing that for some years during the, their childbearing, they're going to have to stop taking the statin. But the vast majority of women who are going to be prescribed statins are actually going to be post menopausal. And as far as alcohol is concerned, in most of the trials, people who are alcohol dependent have been excluded. So it's always very difficult to know exactly how those people would react to statins. But in one of the trials, a small proportion of people did report drinking more than the recommended amount of around 21 units a week. There was no evidence among those people that they were any more at risk of problems due to the statins. I think people need to recognize that excessive alcohol intake is damaging to the liver. In recent years, we've been hearing more and more about those problems. But certainly, if people are drinking towards the upper limit of what is considered acceptable, then there's no reason why they can't take statins as well. So would you say to sum up then that we're fairly clear in terms of the evidence about both interactions and side effects concerning statins, few grey areas really. I think we always need more information. We've got a lot of trial data about these drugs. In general, that trial data is very reassuring. Going back some years, there were concerns about very low cholesterol levels, but those have been largely overcome by the data that we've had from these large trials. Finally, Dr. Armitage, what next for research in statins, certainly you know, in relation to safety? Presumably more knowledge from trials about uh, high dosage. Yes, there are still trials going on of more intensive treatments versus standard treatments. There are also trials going on in particular groups, for example, people with kidney problems and people with heart failure and other conditions. We need more information and we'll continue to get that. There's also trials going on of combinations of different drugs that affect the, the different types of cholesterol and I think those will also be of huge value. Dr Armitage on the line from the University of Oxford, thank you very much for talking to The Lancet. Thank you. Dr Jane Armitage from the University of Oxford concluding this week's podcast. Many thanks for listening. See you next week.